this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 127 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode New Medicine Part 1. But I want to remind you guys that this podcast will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Please go there, leave me a comment, let me know what you think of the show, or if you have a question, leave it there. Or you can write to me at gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Again, go there, let me know what you think of the show or how you heard of the show. Uh, or ask me a question or a comment or stuff like that. And you c- can subscribe to the show on Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store. So go there, give me the stars, the likes, subscribes, all that kind of stuff. And finally, you can find me on Twitter at JustLittleJoe. So really, um, I set up some soundproofing, um, and uh, I hope this episode sounds a little bit better. Um, but I'm calling this episode The New Medicine Part 1 because I'm going to go over some articles about grief and video games, specifically uh, people that were, you know, used video games to heal and how they used it to um, kind of uh, move on with uh, either sickness or illness or something like that. And then uh, part two of this, I'm actually scheduling right now to have an actual therapist, my therapist, on to talk about grief, games. I sent him the same articles that I'm going over today, but we'll just have a general discussion about you know how games can be beneficial and things like that uh, in the healing process, uh, specifically through grief. So I guess this is gaming and grief as told by um, myself and my therapist next week, but this week is just me kind of going over some of this material and what I thought from uh, reading it. So um, the first article I want to go over, uh, it's called The Healing Power of Video Games by Richard Moss. It was published on January 16th, uh, 2014 at 12.01 p.m. uh, from Polygon. It is a massive article, but it focuses on um, Steven Gonzalez, who was 12 at the time. So if I did math and he was in 2014, he was 12. It means right now he would be eight years older, six seven years older, so he would be 19 right now. Um, He he had, uh, well, I'm just going to read the article instead of me trying to uh, parse this out. So Stephen Gonzalez was just 12 years old when doctors diagnosed him with acute myeloid leukemia, a rare form of cancer that causes anemia, frequent infectious infections and pain, told he had a 2% chance of survival and torn away from his friends to the harsh confines of a hospital Gonzalez turned to video games for comfort. Um, he said that, uh, I'm not going to read the whole article, but basically it, it goes um, into the fact that as he was in the hospital, he basically focused on games that he would play, and it made him move away from just sitting in the hospital focusing on the pain of treatment through chemotherapy or just generally being in pain. Um and then this third article, uh, this third paragraph in the, in the article goes on to say, five years later, in August, in August of 2012, Gonzalez stood in front of an audience at TED by Sugarland and described his time as a patient at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. Quote, I met two kids who share the same love of video games, he said. As we began talking, the world of cancer melted away. And, end quote. Inspired by his experience and many others, both during and following his treatment, he revealed his mission. He wants to tell the world about the healing power of video games, and he's found a nonprofit. Or- he's founded a nonprofit organization called the Survivor Games to help build bridges between 
game developers, cancer patients, and everybody else. Um, it goes on to talk about his life. Um, and um, they said that um, it's very difficult. Uh, he needed, uh, like, blood transfusions and stem, stem cell transplants, but his family, it found, they found it very hard to find a match, even within his family. Um Basically, this says, uh, sitting in a hospital bed, uncomfortable, nauseated, and contorted from all the tubes hanging out of him, he played Marvel Ultimate Alliance with his dad while the doctors set up an IV with new stem cell-rich blood entered his veins. Um, and basically, by him, um, you know, focusing on Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which I played this great game, um, he turned his attention away from the pain he was suffering uh, while he was getting, um, you know, while he was getting treatment. Um, and his uncle was there with him through a lot of it. And uh, it says right here, it was a big moment in his uncle's eyes. Quote, I already knew how the how the playing of video games helped. Gonzalez Noeva says, uh, I think that uh, I began to really observe is that the act of developing video games kind of took his personal therapy to another level. And it, it made him be creative, gave him a product to focus on, and a game and the goals to work towards. So that's obviously afterwards when he sets up this program. But, like, um, they do bring up in this something I think is very interesting, is that once you get diagnosed with a serious illness, you are all of a sudden defined by that illness. So he's no longer... Uh, I want to say Steven Gonzalez. I can't believe I just forgot his name. Um, you know, he's no longer Steven Gonzalez. He is a cancer patient. So all of your focus becomes on cancer. And um, so another th- thing that led me to this topic was I was listening to another podcast I listened to about grief um, by Nora McInerney. It's called uh, Terrible Thanks for Asking. She had a cancer survivor on that wrote a book, um, I think, called Between Two Mountains. Um, and I, I didn't write the author's name down, but she had her through a Zoom call or something, and they were talking about how the goal when you're sick is to survive. So you want to beat cancer, you want to beat the disease, and that's it. That's all we think about. Hey, you beat cancer. But as this woman pointed out, and Stephen Gonzalez points out in this article, you were in the hospital for so long, and you were focusing so much of your attention on trying to get better that the moment you do get better – you almost don't have a goal anymore in life. It almost takes away from, uh, you know, what do you do to move on? Um, you know, this woman in the podcast also do terrible things for asking. Again, I, I should have written her name name down, but she basically said that, you know, you. Uh, she was in another hospital for five years. Luckily, she was living with her parents, but she said she was in so much pain. All of her focus was on beating cancer, and when she got, uh, she was um, cured. Um, she didn't know what to do because all of her attention was focused on this. And Stephen talks about this, that even though he was able to take uh, his attention away from his illness and move it into, um, you know, developing games with this nonprofit, um, it, just like his uncle just said, it created a goal within him to push himself forward, you know, because what else would you have? Like, I beat cancer, like, all right, what do I do now? You know, um, I actually haven't watched his TED Talk, which I should have, um, but um, I will after this. So um, I'm just going to read a little bit more from this article. Um, 
this is uh, a doctor talking about this. Quote, when you walk into a room and someone is feeling physically really low, end quote, says Sian, they might be vomiting and they might be in a lot of pain. And to engage them creati- creatively has a real effect. You can, in a short period of time, have someone stop crying, start focusing on a project, and start laughing and telling stories. Uh, end quote. There's a biological, physiological value to being focused like this, he argues. Quote, you're releasing endorphins. There are certain pain inhibitors that are getting blocked when you're focusing. All of a sudden, you're engaged with something, and you literally see the life come back to people. You see uh, brackets, their dynamics steer uh, to spunky, you know, fun shine forth in somebody when they start to engage in something creative. Cyan gets sick kids into things like painting and animating. He helps them create something incredible that will be showcased publicly, often in the form of a digital remix that brings their original drawings to life. But his his reach is limited. He's able to see a, and build meaningful relationships with barely 15 to 20% of the 2,000 or so children with cancer at the MD Anderson Treats each year. It's For all the good it does, his program is costly. To get my position in place we had to start a pilot program get grant funding work and really document everything that we were doing do tons of presentations within the, in the institution and beyond and continually raise money just to keep it going so um yeah it's incredibly costly but it shows the power of what games can do um but just to let you know um you know, Stephen Gonzalez did speak at TED Talk, and he, he does have this um, thing now called Survivor Games. Uh, I'm just going to read from this. The good, quote, the good news is that I've been been prepping for this all my life without even realizing it. End quote, says Gonzalez Nueva. His last job was executive director at a nonprofit leadership program organization. He was originally trained in play therapy, the kind of counseling and psychotherapy that encourages children to express their thoughts and feelings and process traumatic experience with the help from toys, games, and art material. His focus was on what he describes as the healing power, as, quote, the healing power of play from preschool children, end quote. He moved to New York in 1997 to to work in a startup, then ran after-school programs for teenagers, some of whom had HIV. Um, Quote, getting adolescents... Yeah, let's see. Quote, getting out of listeners to get support around very sensitive health issues when they already had lots of stuff going on in their life as a teenager is really hard. We made strides in social media and technology, but teenagers are still teenagers. Um, they created something called Hope Lab. Uh, they made it, Hope Lab made a third-person shooter called Remission. Uh, you get to go on a wild tour through the immune system of a cancer patient and blast uh, bad blood cells into oblivion. It took the team of animators, cell biologists, cancer experts, psychologists, and cancer patient cancer patients six years to create and now follow up a collection of six arcade style mini games. Um, they're all playable online. Um, they list. Um, oh yeah, right here. Okay. They also, because of this, started Patient Empowerment, which is a collaborative effort between the University of Utah and the Utah uh, the Utah Primary Children's Medical Center in 2011. It similarly encourages healing. In, uh, its inspiration came from the observation that an incentive spirometer is a very simple game that motivates patients to do better. The idea is that the character in the game will inspire players to fight their disease and maintain their treatments as well as carry the attitude that nothing is insurmountable in every faucet of life. 
A growing body of research indicates that playing games reduces nausea and anxiety in people of all ages. Games are increasingly used to treat soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder. Additionally, Nintendo Wii games have been shown, and they have a hyperlink there, uh, to help senior citizens stay more active and socially connected, staving off the ravages of aging. So this is something that I've been kind of reading around the edges for a very long time, that your kind of situation and your feeling towards you know, focusing on what you need to focus on takes it out of, um, you know, you're no longer just your disease. If you can focus on any kind of healing or turn your attention to something else, it actually helps with you, um, you know, becoming better. Uh, and I'm glad that Stephen was able to, uh, you know, go into remission and uh, start this company. And it sounds like everything that I read about him, he's doing okay, unless I missed an article. I mean, I, I wish him the best of luck, and I hope his company uh, continues to do really well. Uh, congratulations. And after this, again, I'll watch the TED Talk. I, I, I uh, um, read the title of the article. There's a hyperlink for the TED Talk there. I recommend you go out and watch uh, the TED Talk. Um, and the second one I want to, the second article I want to talk about is called, uh, it's from IGN. It's called The Witness, Firewatch, and Coping with Depression. It was written by Mitch Dyer. Uh, it was written on May 14th. It was updated at least. It was posted on February 16th, uh, 10 a.m. It was updated on the 14th of May, 2018 at 4.29 p.m. Um, I think uh, Mitch talks about, very openly and very, I mean, it's very nice of him to talk about these things, about how he feels about depression and how he went through, like, a self-isolation. Um because he, um, you know, suffered from, like, seasonal, seasonal depression. Um, he basically says in the article, in one of those, in one of these states is self-imposed isolation. I completed uh, the two loneliest games I've ever played. I played both Firewatch and The Witness while, uh, while hidden. In a strange way, I enjoyed both more than I've ever, if I had proper control of my emotions and my mind, um... The Witness felt like a surreal peril in life. If you don't know, The Witness is a first-person game that is all about solving a puzzle. And the puzzle you're trying to solve is basically unlock this island. And the more doors you unlock, the more things you unlock, um, it op- more and more of this island opens up to you. So I haven't played the game. Uh, I think I have it downloaded. I got it for a free promotion. I think it was on PlayStation Plus. Um, or maybe it was Game Pass. Anyway, I have it. I haven't played it. A lot of people said that it's really great. Um, and... Uh, I could see where by kind of disconnecting from the world around you and really focusing on these puzzles, now that you're using some kind of, I don't know, formative, uh, cognitive things in your brain, but it is a good way to decompress. I think what I've been reading a lot lately is there's a lot of people that don't uh, haven't played games in a long time and don't know what games are or how they've changed. And so it seems to them that games are always either asteroids or they see the news and they see Grand Theft Auto. They see all the violent games and they think, well, if that's all games are, I don't want any part of that. But um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately to catch up with some podcasts. And many of the hosts that I listen to are pointing out the fact that um, games are just part of life now. Like people play games on their phone. Uh, you know, hey, I'm not really into, you know, I don't, I'm not really in the mood for a, you know, run and gun shooter. I want more of something like The Witnesses that is a puzzle game. I want something more like an independent game to just relax to, you know. Um, 
I play Marvel's Avengers. You beat the crap out of robots in that game. I've said before that I just use that game to kind of unwind. And, you know, I play something really heavy like Spirit Fair. When you talk about people passing away, there's a dedicated hug button. It really, uh, you know, wears on you after a while. Uh, this kind of, you know, I, I did pick this vocation, obviously, to cover games like that. But you do kind of need a rest. And that's probably something I'm going to talk to Bill about. About, like, the balance between resting and healing and, like, how you, you know, are you immersed too much in, like, your grief or illness or trauma or what it is and like how you take a break um you know this again this article that mitch talks about that's what he did is he went and he played firewatch which is more of an adventure game where you would walk around talk to someone through a walkie-talkie and it was lonely but you were still being able to weigh you were still being able to communicate with others and he was still in the real world being able to kind of disconnect and i know the word disconnect is sometimes negative uh, i think we all kind of need to disconnect sometimes and just say you know i need to be alone I need to do this thing alone. Um, my wife and I are very good at that. If she's watching a movie or playing a game, uh, you know, we spend time together. But at the same time, I don't need to uh, be bugging her every minute to see what she's doing. You know, uh, she's in the other room painting right now. She's doing that uh, for herself. And so I'm glad she's doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this article goes on to talk about how. Um, oh, I'm just going to read the last paragraph in this article from Mitch Dyer. I think it's it's pretty amazing. Video games are not just cho- not just toys or art or stories to me. They can be a, a salve when I need it most. I think it's remarkable that I can comfort myself in problem solving or interacting or interactive human drama and both have significant calming and healing effects. I hope everyone gets this when they need it in whatever form it comes. So yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, games are, you know, you play games on your phone. There's uh, different slices for everyone now as far as games go. You can just play adventure games where you don't pick up a weapon and you don't hit things. Sometimes uh, you get very excited like I do. Um, I'm playing New World, which is an MMO right now. I'm using it to kind of unplug while I'm uh, playing games for the podcast. And I'm just treating it like a gathering sim. I'm chopping trees down. I'm making armor. I'm getting ore. I'm getting gems. I'm making jewelry. uh, I'm making clothes. All that kind of stuff just uh is nice and it's relaxing it's something i do to unwind especially on the weekends um so yeah again games can be different folks or uh, you know different strokes for different folks they can be whatever you want and um i think again some of the reason why i wanted to talk about this is because i've been thinking about it a lot like you know is it too much to ask to i don't know um you know, am I doing this too much? Am I not doing it enough? Am I am I too entrenched in this, you know? And so that's why I do try to take breaks when I game and play things that are fun. So that way I can, again, um, you know, take a step back. You know, I love games. Like sometimes I'll read a heavy book and then I'll read something lighter, you know, like a detective novel or something that isn't as bleak. Well, sometimes they are, but not always. So, yeah. So, again, next week I'll have my therapist on to talk more about, you know, uh, maybe the clinical side of this. So he might have a little bit more to say or, you know, he might have a little bit more perspective on it. I mean, obviously he's been practicing for a long time. Uh, I have to email him and work out a time that we can do it uh, because he is in Mexico right now, but we would just FaceTime each other and I would record it that way. So um, I'll nail that down and that'll be next week. Um, I hope everybody out there has a good and safe week. I think that's it this uh, for this week. Uh, everybody. 
But I remind you guys, this podcast will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com. Monday morning at 7 a.m., please go there, leave a comment, let me know what you think of the show. Or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line there. You know, Let me know how you heard of the show, what you think of the show, things like that. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store. So go there, leave me the likes, the subscribes, the questions, the comments, how I can improve, stuff like that. Or you can go to Twitter and find me at JustLittleJoe. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I will try to get much better about uh, promoting the show. Um, so, yeah, everybody have a good week. Be safe out there, and I'll talk to you guys next week.